I want to introduce y'all to the newest member of our family. Um, who here has heard of the shelf elf? Anybody? Okay. Well, back in October, Tom Rossi did a, he did a, a, a sermon on, it's called The Gospel of Santa Jesus. And a great sermon. Go look it up. It's, it's great. But he mentions in it the shelf elf. And, you know, at the time it kind of went over my head and he kind of freaks me out. I'm going to put him right here. Um, and so, so at the time he, uh, he talks about it, it completely goes over my head until last week my wife and I are up in Atlanta visiting her family and we're celebrating Christmas and a well-meaning relative gives my children, I've got three children, a seven-year-old daughter, a four-year-old son and a one-year-old daughter, gives my children the shelf elf, complete with book and manual. So, you know, they're so excited. And um, so I say, okay, well, we'll, we'll unpack the shelf elf when we get home um, from Atlanta. So we get home and the first night we're home, they're so excited to take it out of its wrapper to, to read the, the story of the shelf elf. And so we sit down on the, um, on the couch. We begin to go through. Well, the shelf elf comes with rules, okay? The shelf elf, number one, you can't touch him or he loses his magic, okay? The, the next thing is you can talk to him, but he won't talk to you. And the third thing is that every night when you fall asleep, he flies to the North Pole to report to Santa whether you've been bad or good. And so, you know, my kids are kind of, I'm like, wait a minute, things already weirded me out. You know, I'm like, eh. And so my kids are like, okay, well, you know, they're excited about it. And I said, you know, y'all sure? Like, yeah, you know. So, um, so they go, okay, Dad, here's where we want you to put them in the room. And we put them in this little Lego castle. And they get a blanket for them. And they put the blanket over them. And they're so excited. And I said, okay, great. You know, we said prayers, night, night, love you. Close the door. About <laughs> 60 seconds later, I hear, Dad. And so I walk into the room. I go, what's going on? They go, we're scared. And both of them are sitting straight up in bed. And I go, well, what are y'all scared about? They go, well, the shelf elf. I go, well, there's, listen, there's nothing, trust me, there's nothing to be scared about. And they go, no, dad, we're scared. I go, well, what are you scared of? They said, well, dad, we're afraid that we're going to wake up and he's going to be like floating in the air glowing, you know, kind of like the exorcist elf, you know. And I was like, okay. So I go, well, what do y'all want to do? And they go, well, how about you take them out of the room and take them, you know, down and put them on the couch? I go, okay, 10-4, got it. You know, we, it's already getting way past bedtime. So I was like, okay, great. So I take them down the hallway, set them up on the couch, and um, I'm walking down the stairs and I hear, Dad. And so I'm like, what? You know, I walk back up and go in the room, and they're both sitting straight up again. I'm like, what's going on? They said, we're scared. I go, about what? He's down the hall. They go, what if we got to go up and go potty? We're going to have to walk past him. He scares us. And so we finally, we finally came to an agreement where we would put him downstairs as far away from them as possible. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. You know, there's a whole sermon that could be done, and Tom did a great job kind of talking about oftentimes that's how we see God, that you know, we can't touch him. We're not supposed to get close to him. You know, we can talk to him, but we can't really expect to hear from him. And that he's writing down the good and the bad. And, you know, what was interesting about that, you know, and we laugh about it, but, you know, when we were like five and six, man, that was real. You read it, you're like, oh, yeah, he's going to fly. Um, you know, but we laugh about it. But, you know, for many of us, that's how we viewed God. And so this morning I shared the story. I'll share one other part, but it was really funny. When I said, Aiden, he flies to the North Pole. Aiden looks at me and goes, elves don't fly, Dad. I go, well, apparently this one does. And he kind of got this look in his face like, 
I'm going to have to take care of this elf before he gives any report, you know. <laughs> so this morning as we're talking, um, I just, I want us to, you know, I wanted to tell you that story because for many of us who've grown up in the church or had experience with the church and Christmas and Christians, we have a perception of God that's much like the shelf elf. And so this morning what I want to encourage for all of us is that we take out our perceptions of God. We take out our past experience of church, what we've been told about Jesus, about why he came, about his heart for us, and we lay that on the table. And that we open ourselves to what God has for us this morning. Because I, this I know for a fact, that our hearts and a parachute have something in common. Both work best when open. And so as we come this morning, that's my prayer for us. Let's, let's open in prayer. Thank you. He does my hair and makeup too. Um, Father, as we come to you, we just thank you for laughter. We thank you that your heart for us is just, is so, so good. We just invite you here. We, Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. Just pray that you would just fill this place with your spirit, that your kingdom would come. And Lord, that you would do what you do. That you would bring life. You would bring restoration. That you would bring freedom and hope and rest for the weary. So we just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to tell you a story that was shared um, by a guy named Robert, Robert Rodney Buchanan. And it's about a, years ago, a very wealthy man who had widowed in an early age, had a, had a son. And this man had a passion for collecting art. And so with his only son, he traveled the world collecting the finest pieces of art in the world. I mean, Picasso, Monet... Um, Van Gogh, I mean, just absolutely priceless treasures of art. And they decorated their, his home and the son's home. And throughout the years, the son just and the father, they just, they walked together through this journey of collecting this amazing art. And the son became an accomplished art collector. Well, it turns out that war overtook their country. And so the son left to serve his country, and shortly after, only weeks after he left, the father received a telegram that his only son had been killed in combat while carrying a friend to safety. So Christmas comes of that same year, and there's a knock on the father's door. He opens the door, and there's a soldier standing there with a huge package that's wrapped in, like, um, brown paper. And the soldier standing there says... Um, I am, was the friend of your son. I was the one that he saved and was killed while rescuing me. Your son was killed while rescuing me. May I come in? I'd like to give you something. And so the soldier walks in, and the father begins to unwrap this gift. And it's, um, while it was no work of genius, it was an, a picture that the soldier had drawn of this man's son. And it, just a striking resemblance of it, and just captured his personality. Well, later that spring, the father became ill and died. And the art world was just, they were just excited, thrilled, with just overwhelmed with anticipation because this art collection was going to be auctioned. And so collectors from around the world flew to this auction uh, just with great anticipation of the millions of dollars of art that was going to be auctioned. And so the auctioneer stands up and says, the f lot number one, and they take the cover off, and it's the picture of the man's son. Who will bid $100? And from various parts of the audience, 
you, you heard statements of, we don't care about that picture. Let's get to the valuable stuff. And the auctioneer simply said, according to the will, this picture must be sold first. Who will give me $100? Long silence passed. And finally, a, an old friend of the man stood up and said, I knew this, his son, and I'll take the picture. I'll bid, you, bid $100. Silence. Going once, going twice, the auctioneer slams his gavel and then promptly announces to the audience that the auction is over. They were stunned. Disbelief kind of rippled through the gallery. They stood and demanded, what is going on? We came here to bid on these priceless works of art. And the auctioneer stood up and said, it's very simple. According to the will of the Father, whoever takes the Son gets it all. And this morning, the message of Christmas is that whoever takes the Son gets it all. It is the heart of Christmas. In, in John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, steal, kill, and destroy, but I come to give that they may have life and life to the full. But in the midst of the holiday insanity, an economic crisis in our nation, broken relationships, lost loved ones, lost jobs, bills, the things we struggle with, the things we carry, what does that mean for us? As we come celebrating the birth of Christ, what are we really celebrating? What does the gift of the Son really mean? And so this morning, I'd like to walk through three things that we can hope for. Three things that we can expect. When we hear Jesus say, I came to give you life to the full, and we take him at his word, and we embrace him. The first thing is a life that's reconciled to God. And for many of us who grew up in the church or have church experience, I mean, we may have heard that that kind of sums up, that's the total uh, message of Christianity, that, you know, we were separated by sin, Jesus came, our sin's forgiven, and one day we're going to be in heaven. Okay, but just like Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, this is in 5.12, he says, all of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. Okay, and if we want to really understand what a life reconciled to God means, we have to look at the word that Paul's using. And when he says reconciled, what he is saying is that it is the reestablishment of an intimate relationship between two people. That's what the word means. That when Jesus reconciles us to God, he is bringing us back into relationship. He's reestablishing an intimate relationship with God. And it also means that the thing that kept us separated has been resolved. It's been settled. And so, even, even now, for many of us, we walk or try to pursue God, and we believe that there's this huge thing between us and God that's called sin, and if we work really hard, we'll shrink that down. And at one day, I'll have resolved it, and I can get close. And the wonder, the hope of Christmas is in, I've resolved it. Jesus has resolved it. That's what he's telling us. I've moved it. We're in relationship, and we don't have to worry 
any longer about the separation that comes from sin. I've taken care of it, Jesus says. So that's hope number one, is that we're reconnected to the one who loves us most. And now, and I'll speak a little more to this in a minute, but, you know, that's a hard thing for most of us to acknowledge. And I'll tell you for myself, I mean, I don't know how to love really well. And I have a hard time receiving love. And the reason is because my experience with earthly love for the, in many instances has been, it never stays, it hurts you, it betrays you, and it doesn't meet what you hope, it doesn't fill what you hope it will fill to begin with. And so many of us have scars when we talk about loving and receiving love. And my hope today is that God's presence, that he would come and that he would overwhelm you with his love because his love heals, but we'll talk about that in a sec. Um, and so we are reconciled, and that means that we are back in relationship with the one who loves us most, who knows everything about you, everything, and loves you, holds nothing against you, has thrown your past, your brokenness, your sin into the sea of forgetfulness as far as the east is from the west. We're, what Christ offers us, what we celebrate in the, one of the gifts of the Son is that ah, I'm back home. I mean, I love how Jesus illustrates that in the, in the story of the prodigal son when he says, when the son was still a long way off, his father saw him. And with the father's heart was pounding, he ran out and embraced him and gave him a kiss. I mean, that's cool. That even when I was a long way off, God saw me, his heart started beating in excitement. And he ran to me and embraced me and kissed me. See, Jesus offers this because he knows that life to the full cannot be life to the full without this, the love of the Father. And so Christmas, we celebrate that. I mean, the birth of Jesus in baby form is the manifestation of God's love for us. And it's the beginning of his mission to rescue us. And so we celebrate today as we the hope of the gift that Christ gives us. We celebrate the invitation that Jesus has given us when he swings the door open and says, come home and experience the heart-pounding embrace of the Father. And so we experience this reconciliation, and as we do, it leads us to the second gift of the Son, and that is a life that is restored by God. I mean, there's a truth. I mean, if we were all to kind of like strip away the mask and all of our coping mechanisms, I mean, we're all broken. And... We're, there are many of us here are hurting. We're exhausted. We're tired. We're broken and we don't know how to put it back together. But Jesus said when he, in Luke chapter 4, 18, 19, when he gets up and declares his mission, he says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me to preach good news to the poor. That's us, by the way. I've come to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind. To release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I mean, freedom for the prisoners. Sight for the blind. Release for those who are oppressed. I mean, today, we don't need this. I don't need this. I need a God who will draw near to me. I need a God who will speak to my heart. Who will pour out his love me, into me and over me. And then I need a God who will restore me. 
And so I ask us today, what is it that we're prisoner to? What You, me, what are we bound to? What parts of us are broken? What addictions are we struggling with? What fear, what eating disorders, what actions of the past can we not just, that we are just overwhelmed with shame and guilt about? What fear do we wrestle with with the financial instability? Where do we draw our life from? I mean, Jesus, I mean, the gift that we come celebrating is not only the reconciliation to the Father and us coming home, but it's Jesus saying, I want to put you back together. I want to free you from that which binds you. I want to pour out life. Where you're bleeding, I want to bring healing. Where your trust is broken, I want to restore. Where you've given away your purity, I want to restore that. Where you've put your hope in your job and your 401k, I want to free you from that prison. Because as long as we keep our, we attach our happiness and our peace and security to that which we can lose, we're vulnerable. And so Jesus is saying, I came. I mean, this is like his mission statement. I'm here to tell you some really good news. I want to set you free and I want to heal you and I'll give you life to the full. And I want to ask you this too. What may God be removing in your life right now? Or holding back to get your attention? And as we talk about a life that's restored by God, I, this has been kind of, I mean, God's brought this up, so I need, and I think it's for this service. It really spoke to my heart. And I mentioned it when I began, but, you know, there was a time where we believed. There's some of us may be in here who at one time believed, but the brutal nature of life on this planet, our scars, our life experience has caused us to give up, has caused us to say, man, what a bunch of bunk. Where we've given up on God, where we may have given up on ourselves, or we feel like God's given up on us. And I want to tell you today, God, if you're here, God wants to restore that. If that's you, if you're here, God's speaking to you. He is in the business of restoring our lives to us. And the reason he does this is because Jesus knows that life to the full isn't life to the full while we're broken, bleeding, bound, and oppressed. He knows that. And so he's here now, today, to restore us. And as we're reconciled with God and as he restores us, we experience the hope of a life that is led by God. You see, and we touch on it, you know, there's some great books out there about it, but there is a greater story going on that you have a part in. God has, for every person sitting here, God has uniquely, specifically written a part in the story he is telling that only you can fill. And the journey, the gift of being led by God is that as we're reconciled and experience his love, as we're restored by him, he will lead us into the life that he's prepared for us. And let me tell you, it's the life we're longing for. It's the place where we will come as Jesus promises, fully alive, where we will experience life to the full. Alexander Solzhenitsyn said it this way. I love how he says this. He says, I felt as though I was about to fill a space in the world that was meant for me and had long awaited me, a mold, as it were, 
made for me alone, but discerned by me only in this very moment. This idea that there is, you were created for a purpose. And that God's desire to bring you home and to restore you includes him leading you, teaching you, and equipping you to step into the life that will bring you fully alive. That life that he's prepared for you. And it's the process of stepping into maturing what's already true about you. I mean, that's true. Whether you've, this is the first time you've heard it, whether you believed it at one time and no longer believe it because the course you believe your life is taken off track. God is in the business of leading us in the process of maturing what's already true about us. It's that we're loved by him. That he desires to put us back together. And that he desires to lead us into life and life to the full. And so the, the third gift is that we get the amazing, amazing privilege of God leading us into freedom. God leading us into wholeness. God developing our character. And God teaching us how to live in a way that brings glory and freedom. Glory to him and freedom to those around us. But the hard part is everything, all those things, the path into freedom, the path into maturity, the path into character and integrity. Man, those are, those are tough. And for many of us in this room, because of the trials, because of the suffering we're in right now, we believe that God has abandoned us. And there's a great story in, in John chapter 9, and it's kind of come up three or four times this week, and usually when that happens, I go, okay, what, God, what are you trying to tell me? What are you trying to reveal? And it's the story of a man who was born blind, and Jesus restores his sight. And when his disciples are asking, why was he blind? Was it, is he blind because of his sins? Is he blind because of the sins of his parents? Jesus says, no. He was born blind so that the glory of God may be, manifest, may be shown. And so, wherever you are today, whatever trial you're in, whatever suffering, whatever loneliness, despair, fear, there is a truth that God is present now. He loves you more than you could ever, ever imagine. He wants to restore you. And he wants to lead you into that life. And so what that looks like today, if you'll stand with me. In a minute, we're going to move into, into prayer ministry. And if you're new to River City Church, this is your first time. What prayer ministry is, is an opportunity for us to just respond to God. You can come forward. You can sit in your seat. There's people that have been trained by River City Church, and they'll pray for you if you like it. But what this looks like, what it means to come and celebrate the hope of Christmas, the gift of the Son, is that if you're exhausted, come and meet with God. Let Him restore you. If you're addicted, come and let him free you. If you're lonely, bleeding, broken, let him come and love on you. Don't walk out of the doors. Let me say it this way. We got an awesome opportunity to leave the stuff we brought in here, here. 
God is in the business of transforming lives, and his heart's desire is to bring life to the full. And so as we clear away the first three chairs of uh, rows of chairs, I want to invite you to come forward and see what God has for you. And if you're one of the people that I mentioned that where, man, you, once you believed, and that belief has been tainted or broken or damaged, I mean, come forward. Let God restore it. Let God love on you.